Blessingles! Welcome to another Big Friday podcast. I'm your wonderful host, Chelsea. For this episode, Brother Edric Mendoza will open our new series entitled Life Detox and will share the biblical truths on overcoming anxiety. So sit back and be blessed. Let's listen to Brother Edric Mendoza. Ladies and gentlemen watching this, uh, wherever you are in the world, you know, it's the Burr months, and if you're in the Philippines, there are many memes going around, and one of my favorites, I have to admit, is this. And it's a little bit different this year because of the way that the pandemic has been rolling out, right? For the Filipinos, you understand what this means, right? So, when eh, sir, bawal lumabas ang senior. I like this because, you know, as, as we know, this season ushers in a lot of the Christmas music and celebration. But um, I want to get a little serious with you guys. The theme that we have been going through as a larger church body, church family, as you will, has been life detox. And as we kick this off with you guys, the main focal point is this idea or this toxic reality of anxiety. Now, when you look at the word toxic, toxic is anything that can can start destroying you, right? As we know in toxic foods, etc. So we realize that in our lives, as we're going about how we cope with this pandemic, there's so much toxicity. There's so many of these things that are, are creating poisons that are troubling us. And right now, the toxic reality we want to unpack is in the area of anxiety, worry, even fear. And I have an honest question for you right now. As you're listening to this, wherever you are right now, are you worried about something? Are you anxious about something? I have great news for you. As a messenger today of God's word, he wants to address that and help calm your restless heart right now. I'm going to unpack five things to help us navigate through this anxiety, this toxic reality. And as I do that, let's just bow our head for a word of prayer. Father, you know exactly where each person who is watching this is right now. And even as they and we struggle with so many thoughts and feelings and emotions that are creating toxicity in our lives and maybe causing us to act toxic towards the people around us, we want to pray that you will help us cut through the clutter and hear your voice and even if for our guests who are listening for the first time, tuning in, maybe friends of, of friends or relatives who are listening to this, we pray that you would speak to each one of them as you speak to us as well. Silence our minds and hearts so that we might hear from you the next couple of minutes in these five things. And I pray that as we leave hearing this message, we will all be changed somehow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So what are we going to unpack today? Five things, right? We're going to look at God's word. And as we unpack his word, we're going to see what he has to say about anxiety and how we can help resolve this toxic reality in our lives. The first thing I want to encourage you to do is do this. Admit you're a Martha. What in the world does this mean? Admit you're a Martha. Um, If you remember, there's a story in the Bible. I'm going to unpack that with you guys right now. It's in Luke And what I'm going to do is I'm going to be old school. I'll read this to you. There might be some cool graphics showing up, but I'm going to read this to you guys. Luke 10, verse 38 to 42. It's a story of these two ladies, Mary and Martha, and they're really good friends of Jesus. They have a brother named Lazarus who is raised from the dead. Maybe maybe many of you know that story. So before that that whole Lazarus story happens, Jesus is is kind of close to this family. He finds it a nice place to, to relax because he doesn't have to necessarily speak or, or or defend himself to the different Pharisees who are challenging him. So really friends, if you look at the Bible. So he's with them. And if you look at the context here, here's now what happens. Now, as they were traveling along, this is Luke 10, verse 38. He entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him uh, into her home. She had a sister called Mary uh, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations and she came up to him and said lord do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone then tell her to help me but the lord answered to her martha martha you are worried and bothered about so many things but only one thing is necessary for mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her when we look at this Um, dynamic here between Mary and Martha, the reason why we opened up with this first statement, admit that you're a Martha, is if we want to be able to resolve this toxic reality of anxiety, worry, stress, fear, um, we want to be able to 
step back and admit first that there is something wrong. And as we look at what is wrong, this anxiety, uh, this fear and worry, uh, we look at the case of Mary and Martha. And in the case of Mary and Martha, as you heard, all right, what was happening? So Mary is just there, and I want you to catch the details here. Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his words. So she's at Jesus' feet, listening to him, whereas Martha is doing what? Martha's doing this, distracted with all her preparations, and she came up, right? Uh, she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sisters left me to do all the serving alone? And when you look at the Bible here, when it says, was distracted with all her preparations. It's basically, she was doing a lot of things, lots of service, serving Jesus, trying to prepare the whole place. You know, she wants to be a good host. So nothing wrong with what Martha's intending to do, right? Because someone's got to help set up the place and make sure everybody's okay, right? Nothing wrong with us hustling and working, doing all these things. But look at what Jesus says. He looks at Mary and he says to her, the Lord answered to her, verse 41, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. Pause. Let me ask you a question. Are you worried and bothered about so many things right now? Like I said, the good news is um, God wants to speak to you in your situation right now. The bad news is, well, I'm just a messenger. So I'm going to deliver it to you as God wants you to hear it. Um, so he said, Martha, Martha, you're so worried and bothered about so many things. And he says, but only one thing is necessary. And Mary chose the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. So the natural question is, what is that good part? What is it that Jesus is calling out that he's saying as we need to admit that we're a Martha. Martha's doing something wrong, right? So what is it that she's doing? Um, I like what Chuck Swindle says about it. Let me read to you. Chuck Swindle, I got a couple of books and resources that I want to share with you guys. Um, and this is one of them. Swindle, in his, uh, this is his Bible with some commentaries. I love what he says here. He says in, uh, in that particular passage, he says, all of us need to take time to look in the mirror that Martha provides the frustration and anxiety that we see in Martha are distractions that can and often do choke us. When we become consumed by worry and buried by busyness, we can quickly strangle our ability to distinguish the incidentals from the essentials. The incidentals from the essentials. We build up so many worries in our minds that we can't relax and that steals our joy away to the point that we all too quickly become bitter and judgmental towards others. Boom. Can you guys put that in the chat box or look at the person here and say, boom. That's what we're seeing here. That's the Martha problem. I'll say it again. We build up so many worries in our minds that we can't relax. And that steals our joy away to the point that we are all too quickly or the, to the point that we all too quickly become bitter and judgmental towards others. We're irritable because we're so worried. We're so anxious and it's creating all sorts of ugly in our lives, right? So that's, that's the problem. What Martha is doing is not wrong, but what is happening as a result of what she's doing is all the problems. She is not focused on the essential. Instead, she's focusing on the incidentals, busy and distracted with all those things. When the one thing is important, and we'll look at that. What is the one thing that is important that we've seen there in the Bible? Jesus says again, right? He says, the one thing is necessary. Mary's chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. What was Mary doing? Mary, as we saw, right, was actually sitting at the feet of Jesus. And it's interesting that that phrasing was used because that actually has some special significance. And that's what we want to observe here um, as we admit that we're a Martha, the first principle. If you look at Acts 22... I'm going to take you guys quickly there. Acts 22 is now Paul explaining his own being discipled. That's the word used there. And when we look at his being discipled, it's interesting because um, when he shows discipleship, he shows the same use of language. Acts 22 verse 3. Here it is. Here's what he says. He says, Paul says, Paul, right? We know the apostle Paul. Yeah, he's writing. He, he, he's speaking here. Verse 3. I'm a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, brought, but brought up in this city, educated under Gamaliel, strictly according to the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, just as you all are today. You know that phrase, educated under Gamaliel, actually is the expression sitting at the feet of Gamaliel. In other words, he is using the word sitting at the feet to describe the picture of discipleship. 
if a person is following, so in his case, he wanted to follow and learn from Gamaliel. And in many of our cases, those of us that are familiar with that word discipleship, we want to follow Jesus. Then that's what we need to do. The picture of Mary was this wonderful sitting at the feet picture. Someone being discipled, ready to listen and hear from Jesus. So that's essentially what we're seeing as the tension here. And that's why we need to admit that we're a Martha. We are prioritizing many different things, forgetting to prioritize the most important thing, which really is to be able to listen and pay attention and be at the feet of Jesus, just like that, to be a good disciple. Now, nothing wrong with what Martha was doing in serving, but the priorities were getting mixed up. This is your classic doing versus being. Some of you have heard that phraseology in, in, in various messages in the past from people like even Edmund Chan, right? So that is the key. We need to be able to say, okay, I am a Martha. Right now, I am worried about so many different things. I'm distracted. And maybe for those of you that are also serving, you are serving, but you're forgetting to be, to actually just be at Jesus' feet and, and hear from him. I love what... One of my, my mentors or the people that discipled me and guided me early on in my journey said when I was starting out, as I was serving and doing things for God, he said, do not let our work for God destroy the work of God in us. I'll say that again. Do not let our work for God destroy the work of God in us. So important. Um, you know, it, it's so important to do that because as we saw in that example, it, it can sidetrack us. It can create all sorts of worry and concerns. And as a practical example of how that applied to me is I realized, you know, I'm, I've been so stressed as of late as I'm speaking to you right now. And it's, it's just because there's so many things happening in my life on the ministry front, on the work front. And, you know, it, that plus all of the effects of COVID. There are people in my various teams that have been hit by it. So we've we've had to not just help and counsel and, and, and you know, kind of work and pray with them, but we've also had to spread the load and, and find ways to make things work. And on the family front, in the last few days leading up to this, you know, my wife has been feeling a little bit sick. My kids are feeling a little bit sick. So as a dad, I'm trying to make sure my head is above water. I don't have anxiety or worry or fear. But of course, I want to try and do my part and take care of my family. So all of this is happening. And then a big event is supposed to be happening in the next couple of days where I said, you know what? I'm not sure I can actually be part of this big event because of so many different pieces that are moving in my life. So I was thinking about how to find a way to get out of it. And as I was getting worried and anxious and distracted by all of that, you know what I decided to do? I said, you know, there's only so much I can do to try and influence and see if I can get out of that or see if it can be shifted. And as I was thinking about creative solutions on how to get out of, of that big event, I'll be honest with you, I was, I was getting worried and stressed. I said, no, the time is, is catching up. It's almost time to, to get involved in this thing because it's happening soon, but I've got so many other deliverables. And I was feeling very anxious and worried. And then I remembered this principle. As I was literally preparing this, this message for you guys, this first principle, I realized, okay, I need to admit that I'm a Martha. I am worried about so many things, distracted by these things. Let me go back to just sitting at the feet of Jesus. So I quieted my mind and my heart and I started to pray. I said, dear God, I don't want to get out of this. Will you help me? I need an out because I'm doing everything that I know that are supposed to be for you and the workspace ministry, these are all good things, but I'm, I'm in a bind. Uh, give me an out. And as I prayed, I kept going, kept preparing this message, uh, doing what I could for all the other moving pieces. And guess what? I got the greatest piece of news. Beaming message. And the message was that big event has been postponed. And as I got the news, I was starting to jump. I said, God, you have an amazing way of making sure that I am the first recipient of the message you want me to deliver. So that is me being honest with you. I admit that I'm a Martha. And as I admitted that, God started showing me, all right, here's what you need to do. Don't be a Martha. Reprioritize and be more like a Mary. Make sure we're able to focus on being a disciple, someone who's able to sit at the feet of Jesus hear from him, learn from him, instead of going about busy, 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 and not being able to do that. 
Let's move on to the next one. If we're able to admit that we're a Martha, the next thing we need to do is unpack the root. What does that mean? Unpack the root. So I'm gonna give you a, another verse and one of the beautiful things about the verses I'm gonna give you is almost all of them are actually Jesus speaking because what did I say at the opening? I wanted him to be the one to speak and I'll just be a messenger. So he spoke about Mary and Martha. He's warning and cautioning us to admit that we're a Martha. Try and be more like Mary in that context. The next thing is to now unpack the roots. Unpack the root. What does that mean? I want you guys to turn to Matthew 6. And as you look at Matthew 6, we're going to look at uh, 25 to 34. Many of you know this already. I love these verses. And it's spoken to me in many different seasons of my life. But I, want, I love how it's connected to this idea of worry and anxiety. And even as Jesus is, spoke to Mary and Martha, you, know, you take this into its context. He's also speaking in this way. He says, all right, guys, Matthew 6, 25 to 34, Jesus, the master teacher says, for this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life. Let me say that again. Do not be worried about your life. Why? He, he expounds. He says, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor for a body, right? Just a while ago, my daughter was crying because she was feeling these, these symptoms. And, you know, as she was crying, I was like, what's wrong, baby? Are you afraid? Uh, are you afraid that you might have COVID? You know, because my, my daughter can get a little bit um, uh, concerned and worried. And this is the message, right? So I tried to help apply this. She's like, no, dad, I'm not actually worried about me. I'm not afraid of me getting COVID because I know of our chat, right? Have no fear. Jesus is here. But she said, I'm concerned about mom because, you know, Joy was resting for that whole time and she seemed like she knocked out early. So my daughter was concerned. So, you know, even our bodies. So she was concerned about her body, right? Uh, and, and Long story short, you know, that, that turned out well, by the way. Um, I'll share that a little bit later. So uh, we worry about our bodies just like my daughter did. It says here, as to what you will eat or what you'll drink, nor for your body, as to what you will put on. So clothing, our physical health, material needs, food. So it, it looks so interesting how Jesus is covering almost every single major area we can possibly worry about. So he's saying again, for this reason I say to you, verse 25, do not... It's a command and you know I like how when we study our Bibles we need to make sure we distinguish between prescriptive and descriptive and in this case if he says do not that is prescriptive it's a command it's not oh yeah there was a bird flying in the sky very descriptive this is specific do not be worried the Bible says uh, another word phrasing for that is stop being worried so can you guys say stop put that in the chat box or say that to a person near you stop being worried about our life the Bible says as to what you will eat, what you will drink, nor for your body, as to what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing, the Bible says. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? Are you not worth much more than these guys? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon, the richest man ever, right? And I can go on and on about that as a financial planner, but I'm not going to go there right now. Solomon, in all his glory, clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? And here's the key. Unpack the root, right? Here's the root as we're seeing it in this verse. He says, you of little faith. That's the root problem of worry and anxiety. Little faith. Jesus says, you have little faith. And then he repeats, right? Do not worry then. Verse 31, saying, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles, for the people who do not know God, who do not know Jesus, eagerly seek all these things for your heavenly father knows that you need these things so let me encourage you and remind us that whatever it is you are worried or anxious about the root of it is we feel like there are these needs that need to be resolved and what jesus is saying is hey 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 don't lack faith god our father knows that we need these things and he goes on right he says Right? I'm just a messenger here. Your, family, your heavenly father knows that you need these things. And instead, Jesus points them in the right direction. He says in verse 33, I love this verse. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. 
All these things will be provided to you. All these things that we might otherwise be worrying about or concerned about or stressing over, God is saying, our God, our Father knows it like a good dad. He knows what we need and He will grant these things to us, right? The Bible says He will grant these things to us. All these things shall be added unto you. All these things shall be provided to you. But the key is, what did it say? Seek first his kingdom and his rights. What does that mean? Kind of big words. So let me just unpack that really quickly as we unpack the root, which is this lack of faith that Jesus talks about. Um, I, I, I think the best way to explain it is, again, another story uh, in my life, right? So as a corporate guy, like maybe many of you who are watching this call, uh, early on in my career, as I was starting a family, I was on baby number three, and maybe some of you have heard this in my talks outside of CCF or maybe even some of the talks here at our local church. Uh, I'll make it very short, but but essentially, I was uh, trying to climb the corporate ladder, and I was honestly the type of person who would compare and compete. So if I had friends or peers that were getting a certain level or buying certain things, I always wanted to feel like I could go up and, and compete, right? And it's, it's not something I'm proud of, but that's how I would think. And so there was a time where uh, I saw people starting to buy cars with the bonuses, with increases. And I figured, you know what? I wanted to be that guy too. I had a growing family. I wanted to get this nice minivan for my family. And as I looked at my budget at that time, I couldn't afford it straight up, but I could afford maybe the amortizations with a promised increase. You see, my, my boss said that I was up for a promotion. So I banked on that. And long story short, I pulled out the loan, banking on that promotion, and I felt great because I got the car, I was driving it, I felt awesome, like, wow, I'm such a good father, providing for my kids, my growing family, and I felt good about, you know what, look at this status that it, it, it also affords me. And I'm ashamed in sharing that, but that's part of, honestly, what was in my ugly heart. So I share all of these things because I was, it hit a point where as I was paying the amortizations, I did not get that promotion I was banking on. And you know what happens when you can't afford amortizations. You start digging. So I was digging from my savings, from my other investments, and I uh, basically was running out. And at the point where it was about to run out, I was getting very stressed because I, I was not, I did all sorts of other sideline rackets, but it just wasn't enough to cover the spread. Um, so I, it came to a point where I was so embarrassed. Um, I was so uh worried and anxious uh, that I did not want to tell any of my friends, not even my wife knew, not even my closest friends and family. I, I, I didn't know how to express it. I didn't want to have to say I need money, I need help because I've done a, I made a bad financial decision, right? Uh, so my boss now at the time said, uh, we have a full year review, uh, so please mark the date. And I was so anxious and worried, but I was hoping that she would say, Edric, you know, after reviewing your performance, you're now promoted so that I could find a way to unravel that, that, that car loan, right? And all of the stress related to that. And all of the money was almost running out. I was really so stressed. So I met with her. I sat down and she looked me in the eyes after the whole review. She did not say anything about the promotion. She complimented certain things, gave me some improvements, uh, improvement errors, but she didn't say anything. So at the end, she said, Edric, we're done. Um, is there anything else you wanted to discuss or bring up. And to be honest with you, because I was so anxious, I was so worried and stressed about my financial situation, I started to break down. At first it was just, I was holding it in, a tear started to drop, she starts looking at me and I'm like, I start bawling. Seriously, it's one of the most embarrassing moments of my life. I was bawling so hard. Uh, I in Filipino, right? I put my hand up like this to block her face. Hopefully not. She wouldn't see me, right? I was going, ah, ah, and as I was trying to compose myself, <clears throat> I finally looked at her. And when I looked at her, her face was like this. Like she was in complete shock. And I'm sharing this to you guys because, again, it's not a proud moment for me. But um, as, I, as I compose myself, I share all these things because, you know, I, I wound down that whole conversation. I said, I apologize. It's not your fault. I've made some poor financial decisions. And, you know, God bless that boss of mine. She even said, do you want me to help you, give you something? I'm like, no, 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 no. I said, here, you said that I was up for promotion. Please just tell me what I can do to be able to earn that. I will do whatever it takes, right? Obviously, that's moral, legal, and ethical. And we ended and there was nothing, no closure. Um, and I carried on. 
And I share all these, all of this because as I looked at the root, that's the main point right now, right? My lack of faith, my, my uh, focusing on my needs, maybe even my wants, and being obsessed with that, which is, you know, to a fault, which is why I, I did that and I pulled out that, 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 that loan. I reflected on this and as I was still finding out answers because after that closure with my boss, there was still no solution for me. I, I spoke to my wife, actually. I finally opened up and as I spoke to her, she reminded me of something that I will never forget. You know, she said, honey, we need to remember that when you said that it was your car with your money that you wanted to buy this these things right um we don't actually own anything god owns everything and there when she said that you know honestly i went on my own and i cried again and i said okay god thanks for the reminder you know i, I don't own anything and it is that has been the ugliness of this whole situation that's why i got so stressed and that's why i got so worried is because i did not have faith that you could provide that you would provide these things and instead i took it upon myself to find a way to get something to provide this minivan for my family not trusting and not waiting on you god and and that was a turning point for me in, in all of how i've handled my money actually at that point i surrendered i said god you own everything so let me handle money the way you want because it's your money anyway and I will trust you instead of have this weak faith and create all sorts of worry and stress and anxiety. And so so that's, that's what I mean when we say little faith. That's what Jesus means when we say little faith. He says, guys, God knows your needs. Wait on him. Trust him to provide. Don't jump the gun. Don't grab like Edric did, borrowing money with money he didn't really have. And that it creates all sorts of ugly, right? It starts with that lack of faith. So what is our application as we unpack the roots? My encouragement to, to you, ladies and gentlemen, friends in the singles um, space, we need to look at our lack of faith in God providing our needs as the root and be honest and say, and after we admit we're a Martha, that we're worried, busy, distracted, instead of focusing and reprioritizing, right? We're actually also able to see that at the root of this anxiety is that lack of faith. How do we now resolve it? Admit it and then shift instead. My encouragement is we need to shift from looking at my needs instead to God's wants. What are the things that God desires? What are the things that He uh, wants for us and if we're able to do that then we will find a greater alignment and we will see our own needs provided for as we pursue these wants that's why he said build his kingdom right and when we build his kingdom on a very practical note, what does that look like on a day-to-day -day, we need to ask ourselves this honest question right are we building our kingdom or are we building god's are we looking to do excellent in the workplace or with our businesses so that we will get the recognition, the money, the gain? Or are we doing it so that God will get glory and people will see excellence as God has designed? That's the practical mindset shift. This whole motivation is key. Are we pushing and hustling and trying so, so, so hard because we are worried, not thinking that God will supply the needs? Or are we just faithfully going about it saying, okay, God, I'm going to do this for your glory. I'm going to do excellently the best I can. And I will trust you as I go about this. Because in that place, when I go to that route, then I'll be better rested and not as worried. I love this expression. In one of my later years, after moving that season, and I went into a business, and it was also kind of getting a little bit rocky in various parts. One of my uh, core leaders who was our C, uh, COO at that time, she said to me these wonderful lines that I've carried with me ever since then. There was a time when we were almost about to hit cash negative, right? We were taking from our reserves because you know some a, a large part of our sales were not coming in and I was getting concerned about the cash flow and she said this to me <laughs> and I stood by it. Great woman of faith. She said, God's work done God's way will never lack God's resources. God's work, then God's way will never lack God's resources. I never forgot that, and I clung to that, right? So as I pursue God's agenda, building his kingdom, doing it for his glory, being careful that I'm not pursuing mine, right? I do it, and I do it his way. It'll never lack God's resources. And that's been the story of my life, guys. As I stand before you right now, I have seen that over and over and over in the many areas of my life. 
God's work, then God's way will never lack God's resources. You can chat that in the chat box if you want right now or say it to somebody you're with right now. Let's move on. So what are we learning next? Embrace Jesus. So we're on the third principle, embrace Jesus. What does this mean? Embrace Jesus. This is now, if you look at Matthew 11, verse 28, Jesus speaks to us again, right? So Jesus continues to speak. I love how he's just speaking. He says this, and maybe some of you, this is your situation right now. Matthew 11, 28. So what have we learned so far? We looked at admit that you're Martha. We looked at unpacking the root, and now we'll go to embrace Jesus. I'm going to pick up the pace here because I think we set the foundation pretty good. Matthew 11, verse 28. I love how Jesus says here, and these are wonderful, wonderful words that maybe this is the only thing you really needed to hear from Jesus tonight. He says this, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Maybe some of you, that's all you really needed to hear and remember and realize is that here's Jesus opening his arms and saying, Come. Come to me, all you who are weary. And I love how the Bible, when it uses the word weary, if you look at its context, all you who are weary, you know what that word really means? It actually means this. Weary means all of you who are working to exhaustion. Maybe some of you, even though serving God right now, that's how you're feeling. You're working to exhaustion. So what is Jesus saying to you? He's saying, hey, 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 come to me. Embrace me. Let me be the one to take that on. You know, if we, we unpack the rest of the verses, I love how he unpacks it and I don't have enough time to expound on it, but he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from it from, from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. You know, I, I love how this reminds us that as we embrace him, the reason why is because if we want rest, we go to Jesus. Jesus is the solution. He is the source of rest. And you know, there's so many places where people will go to look for rest now. So many places where weary souls, weary hearts, weary minds are looking to find rest. Maybe it's through a Netflix binging, a K-drama. Maybe it's through TikTok. Maybe it's through gaming. There might be various ways you're trying to cope and fill in that way to numb yourself or to distract yourself from all of these worries and anxiety. So even as we've looked at two practical principles earlier, this third one is all about saying maybe it's time for you to let go and say, hey, you know what? There really is only one source of rest, true rest, and he's proven it over and over and over. Ask the people who are a part of this ministry. They'll tell you. I'm sure they've experienced it in their own lives. So maybe this is what we need to do. For you, that could be the practical application. Embrace Jesus. And I like how it says, as I I just read, right? He says, I will give you, verse 29, he says, for I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. You see, this, this whole idea of rest goes a lot deeper than just our physical rest. It's, it's, it goes deeper to the idea of our souls. You see, for many of maybe you who are watching this, you're not just anxious in your mind and your heart, but you're really wondering. You're like, where is it going? I don't know. I've been trying to fill it with so many things. And I love how I cannot cite the source of this, but the... One of the lines I remember early on is that everybody has a God-shaped vacuum. Your soul is finding something. Even if temporarily you might be happy or distracted, there's still some emptiness that it needs to be filled. And if you are that person right now, I want to invite you right now to be able to solve that. Jesus is saying, hey, you know what? I can, I can solve that. I can fill that, that void. And if you fill it with me, you will finally find what you are looking for. And you can hear the stories of so many people who are even in this call. That's part of my life story as well. So if you want to do that, you want to be able to find rest for your soul. You want to be able to embrace Jesus. I want to make a quick prayer with you right now if you're listening to this wherever you are. Because as I said, as a messenger, I'm just sharing the news and the words that Jesus has for you. Uh, You can bow your heads and make a prayer with me right now, quickly, something along these lines. You can speak from your own heart to Jesus using these own words or paraphrasing it in your mind. Father, Father God, thank you for this time. I thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die for my sins. And I ask for forgiveness for all these sins that I have committed in my life that has caused me all sorts of worry and anxiety and fear and even pain. So as I come to you right now, acknowledging these things and humbling myself, I now open up my arms and I want to receive him into my life. I want rest from my soul. I want to be able to embrace him and say, Jesus, come into my life. 
Change me. Heal me. Give me peace and rest that I have been looking for in all the wrong, all sorts of places. And I trust that only really you are the source of this peace and rest for my soul. And I thank you. Salamat po, Panginoon Dios. And for the implications of this, I thank you as well because now that I, I have received what you have done, paying the price for my sins on the cross, I know that my soul can ultimately find rest because it will be with you in heaven forever when you call me home and my life on here here on earth is done and I die. That is the greatest joy really um, that I can look forward to. So I thank you once again. I give my life to you. I open up my hands. I surrender and I I repent from these sins. I ask for forgiveness. And I now, with gratitude, look to you as my Savior, as my Master, and the person who will now give rest to my soul. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. So if you pray that prayer right now, this is not me. This is Jesus' words to you. You will experience His rest. You will experience His peace. You will get perspective. It may be instantaneously as you're listening to this right now, or it might be over a period of time as you now kind of let this simmer in and understand what this really means for your life. You can ask friends or the friend that invited you to this call or someone from this ministry to help explain that to you if you want. In the meantime, let's carry on. All right, so let's move on. What have we learned? We've learned three things, right? We need to be able to admit that you're a Martha. We want to unpack the root. We want to embrace Jesus if we're able, if we want to be able to combat the toxic realities surrounding anxiety, worry, all of this hustling and pushing and fatigue. Let me now give you some practical things. As we try and battle anxiety, worry, and all these things, we need to practice rhythms of rest. That is our fourth one, and we're almost done. Practice rhythms of rest. What does that mean? Luke 5.16 says this. I want to unpack this for you guys. Right. Luke 5.16 says, it reminds us, wonderful uh, words or example of Jesus, if you will. If you will um, uh, look at Luke 5, verse 16, right? Here's what happens. Jesus is doing this. Right. Luke 5, 16. Okay, wonderful. Here's what he does. The news about him was spreading even farther and large crowds were gathering to hear him, that's Jesus, and to be healed of their sickness. That's verse 15. And then 16 says, but Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. Jesus himself would often, right, often slip away to the wilderness and pray. So what are we seeing here? Um, I want to give you another reference, some practical stuff. This is a good book, Addicted to Busy by Brady Boyd. I'll read to you a, a quick passage here. He says this. Um, and this, uh, this really spoke to me. Maybe this speaks to a lot of you as he talks about what does it mean to be addicted to busy. Some of you are like that right now. If you're guilty, you can put it in the chat box and say, guilty, addicted to busy. The truth about me is that despite brief periods of impressive wholeness and holiness as it relates to living a rhythmic life, I'm still and likely always will be a hyper-scheduled person. That's me. A sign-me-up slave to the clock. Left to my own less than stellar devices, I become irritable when there's no schedule to speak of and even more irritable when there is a schedule to speak of and somebody has the gall to disrupt it. Kung guilty ka, if you're guilty, put that in the chat box again. Guilty, right? So that's me. So what is the solution? I like how he says, if you want to practice rhythms of rest, this first thing that we're looking at here is from that verse, we need to have the Jesus pace. I'm going to read this to you. What is the Jesus pace, right? If you look at it, he says um, in Luke, Luke chapter 5, the one I read to you guys earlier, it, it, we see here, Jesus is teaching and preaching and answering questions about the kingdom until his voice is hoarse. He's working hard and pushing hard and running fast and strong. But in the midst of all this busyness, Jesus decides to take a break. In fact, he takes many well-deserved breaks. What did the word say a while ago? As often as possible, it said. He withdrew to out-of-the-way places for prayer. Now, check this out. I like how Brady Boyd calls this out. Jesus withdrew in order to work through tragic news. You'll see that as he finds out what happens to his cousin John who gets beheaded, right? And then he withdraws to gain insight on important decisions such as when to call the actual disciples who followed him, right? To choose those guys. Number three, he says he withdraws so that he can just pray and be with God. 
you see that even when he went to the mountain as he was about to go and uh, you know get crucified right in the Garden of Gethsemane he would draw us to enjoy time with his closest companions and he would draw us as a means of teaching his disciples the unparalleled value of rest he doesn't wait until his mission is accomplished he doesn't wait until someone sanctions a few days off for him. He doesn't even wait for an official Sabbath to dawn. When he senses it's time to withdraw, he just goes. Jesus obeyed a deep, deeper rhythm, wrote Wayne Mueller. Absolutely, he does just that. Engage, 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 withdraw. Engage, 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 withdraw. Rhythmic. That's how Jesus lived. It's how we're invited to live too. So... What are we learning, guys? We're learning that we need to have rhythms of rest. So that's part of how we have rhythms of rest, right? We need to have periods where we withdraw to pray. And there's something so powerful about prayer that when we look at another verse in the Bible, Philippians 4, many of you might know this, Philippians 4, verse 6 to 7, I like how it reminds us the power of prayer, uh, even as we find these rhythms of rest to pray. So as we have rhythms of rest, we pray moments to do that here's philippians 4 verse 6 to 7 it says be anxious for nothing be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to god right let your requests be made known to god and the peace of god which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in christ jesus you know um i love how that 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 passage covers this this idea of prayer because when we see it here it reminds us it says be anxious for what nothing and it tells us in everything everything by prayer so bringing this to god and inserting thanksgiving and that's another point all of its own when we are worried and anxious do we thank god even through that circumstance even for that circumstance it's intuitive but he says if you do that in everything everything you pray and you give thanks. Let your request be made known to God. What happens? The peace of God, we talked about that earlier, this idea of rest, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I prayed with my daughter earlier, as I shared with you guys. She was worried. I said, hey, honey, I, I, I'm sorry you feel this way. Um, and, you know, I know that you're worried about mom. So why don't we pray? Because that's what the Bible says, right? I, I quoted this verse because I was preparing for this message. So we prayed. And as we prayed together, you know, she was tearing up. I hugged her. I said, all right, baby. You know, uh, I was a little bit of a jerk dad, honestly, before that. Because I said, why are you crying? This crying doesn't help. That's the wrong thing to say. So I changed that. I apologized. I hugged her. I said, okay, baby, why are you crying? And then we prayed. God gave me the words to say. I used that. And as I as we prayed together, I said, okay, you know what? Let's thank God. Thank you, Lord, that, you know, you're, you're allowing this to our family. Thank you, Lord, that, um, you know, that... Uh, uh, it's not COVID or there's nothing wrong yet, but Joy's feeling a little sick. So as we were praying all that, I said, okay, baby, the peace of God, right? Surpassed all understanding. So she was relaxed. And you know what? I went up and uh, I checked on my wife and voila, she was curled up. I thought she was sick. I, I was about to take her temperature. She looked at me. She goes, whoa. I was like, oh, and she was well. She felt better. I'm like, are you okay? And her temperature was down. She's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, why don't you come down and be with the kids? They'll be very happy. So I come down dramatic, you know, trying to be all like, you know, mom's still resting. That was my countenance. I sat at the table and my daughter was still kind of teary-eyed looking at us and I carried on with the conversation. And then they heard her footsteps, the door, and she came down and I said, look, baby, see, prayer is powerful. And she started to smile and it was a reminder for her. And I realized that, you know, sometimes... Prayer is not the means to an answer. Instead, prayer is the answer. You know, the, the power of prayer oftentimes is that the prayer itself is all we need. It gives us the peace, like my daughter gave her peace. Um, I challenge and encourage us to remember that, right? Oftentimes, as we saw in that verse, right? It is that peace that surpasses all understanding that is the only solution we need at that moment. And it will lead to all sorts of other things, other solutions that God might have as we pray for those things. It might give us clarity to think through the challenging business situation we're in right now or in the job because we now have peace or in the relationship we're having or even in the physical ailments we're having. That clarity of mind as a result of the peace does that. Or it could just be 
that as we're experiencing that peace, then God wants to add a, a wonderful bonus to affirm the fact that we did pray and that there's power in prayer like my daughter, right? The power of prayer, we, we, we got the peace. That was the answer itself. And he gave a wonderful bonus. My wife actually felt better, came down and um, encouraged my daughter. So let's go to the last part, right? Um, as we practice rhythms of rest, prayer is one of them. Another way to practice rhythms of rest would obviously be guarding your Sabbath or the, the Bible says six days we work, but on the seventh we rest. And it's a command. It's a prescriptive passage from God as he's created all of mankind and all of existence. So do we practice that? So that's another rhythm of rest we need to have in place. Try and guard these things. If we want to reduce anxiety, if we want to reduce these toxins, that is the whole focus, right? Um, so practice rhythms of rest, not just praying, but also have a Sabbath. And then some, some other practical things I want to unpack with you guys to be able to practice rhythms of rest would be even in the way we handle digital, right? I encourage us, a large part of what can create anxiety and you know lack of rest is how we engage the, the digital environment for work. For maybe some of you are also doing studies or other things, just the way we, we engage it. And I have a couple of quick resources to help you guys, super quick, but very practical that I think might be very helpful for you guys so that we can have rest even as we go through the work grind or the use of digital. So first resource, this book, some of you may have heard Brad Huddleston speak early on or at some point at CCF. He's become a friend and we're actually, as a side plug, we're the distributors of that book. So if you want a copy, you can go and, and, and engage me and let me know. But the whole point is that he said that the danger of digital is that we can get addicted and it can create the same brain damage to our minds as someone addicted to cocaine. That's why it's called digital cocaine, right? So what do we do? How do we prevent that from happening, from our brains literally getting damaged? from addiction to digital. We first need to find out, are we addicted? And there's three symptoms, three A's, anxiety, anger, and anhedonia. If you have all those three, you are digitally addicted. Your friend, you have family members that are digitally addicted. Anger, self-explanatory, you take away the gadget or power goes off, ah, nagalit. Anxieties, you can't keep still without engaging or looking, and this is probably where FOMO can come in also. And anhedonia is, you used to be excited with a couple of likes on your post or seeing some wonderful, um, nice shows on Netflix or whatever, but now it's like you have to binge and finish a whole season. And even as you're doing that, you're still looking for more. That creates this whole idea of, man, like I'm not, I don't know what to watch anymore. I'm bored. I'm not engaged anymore by, by the digital space and I'm looking for, for more or I can't even find it. And this can lead to disastrous things even for younger people where they will now start slashing and trying to find some stimulation because of anhedonia. So if you have any of those symptoms, you are addicted, what do you do? How do you create rhythms of rest or reset that whole thing? There's what's called neuroplasticity where our brains can reset. And the way for us to do that is we need a detox of our minds from digital. So my practical suggestion is, if you look at the textbook, the, de the, the way they suggest it is six weeks, absolutely no digital. But in this new normal of work, it is hard to do that. So my step down suggestion is, look at all of the digital use you're involved in. And if it is for consumption, versus creation, right? Creation is creation is everything that has to do with I need it for work, right? Or I need it to upskill, to learn new things so that I might be able to bring it back to the work or for a side hustle or, or I need it to be able to engage in the ministry, something that is productive, creating versus consuming. This is me just watching and enjoying, entertaining. Nothing wrong with that. But if you are doing more of this, consuming than creating, we have a problem. And in the area of detoxing our minds, digital detox, for it to have neuroplasticity, the hard challenge for you is can you try going six weeks without this consumption? Just do the creation. That would be another rhythm that you can maybe infuse that can create rest. And once you're out of that detox, then you can do things like, well, like for our family and me, I will only use it for consumption when it is the weekend and we will do it together. So it's kind of a family thing, right? So do what works for you, but I hope you understand the principle and it's so important that we do that because this is one of the, the reasons why even neurologically it's creating anxiety and worry and stress. So find rhythms even in the digital space 
as a practical principle. And if you want to also kind of check yourself, a practical tip would also be what's called the Pomodoro technique. You have 25 minute blocks of just intense focus work, maybe even with your computer. And as you're engaging, after 25 minutes, take a five minute break. Do that three times. And after the three rounds, you take a 20 minute longer break where you're not on digital. That has also been a practical application for me after detoxes, right? So that your brain continues to have these rhythms of rest from prolonged digital use, even for creating purposes. So I hope that that's practical, a good tip for you guys. One last practical tip in helping create rest for our minds from digital and all of the things we have to bombard ourselves with. If you're like me right now, you have Viber, WhatsApp, FB Messenger, maybe even Telegram, and then you have uh, SMS, you have SMS calls, you have Viber calls, WhatsApp calls, you have email, various email addresses, right? So across all of these channels, there's all of these barraging messages, literally. Sometimes if you're like me, you're like, uh, where did we talk about that again? Where did I file this? And what can happen is you get forgetful and that can lead to all sorts of anxiety also. So one last resource for you guys is this, the organized mind. Right, thinking straight in an age of information overload. And let me just give this really quick tip to you guys, a practical tip for our minds to be able to rest. It talks about, uh, I'm going to a page here. I really love this, this principle. Here we go. The most fundamental principle of the organized mind, the one most critical to keeping us from forgetting or losing things is to shift the burden of organizing from our brains to the external world. That is what I wanted to give you guys as one last practical tip there. What does that mean? Do you have filing and organizing systems outside of your mind so that you're able to sort things out better in your folders, in your email inboxes, right? Um, do you have so many different groups that you're not even engaged in? Cut them out. So that's, that's a practical uh, a tip I wanted to also leave you guys with. If you want to have rhythms of rest, Rest for your minds as you engage and you're not stressed and anxious and you're forgetting things. Create filing systems outside. I've, I've also found ways to work with people, having actual people who help file things for me so that it, it just makes my brain a lot easier. So, so that is one last principle. Let's now close, guys. What is the last thing I wanted to share with you guys in being able to battle these toxic realities in the area, especially of anxiety? I encourage us as we wrap up to stay close to Jesus. I put that in parentheses in case it's not obvious. We need to stay close to Jesus. Yes, we have rhythms of rest. We do all the other things that we talked about earlier, but stay close to sustain this, this good place, if you will, of not getting worried or anxious. Stay close to Jesus. John 15, let me read this to you guys as our closing verse, and then we're done. John 15, a beautiful passage here, says this. John 15, verses 5 and 7 Beautiful verses. Here's what it says, guys. All right. Verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. Big words. So it shows how important it is we need to stay close, connected to Jesus. Because battling anxiety being able to overcome this toxic reality or anything else we cannot do without staying close to Jesus. And he says in verse 7, I love how it's re-emphasized here, if you do this, you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Watch these big words, okay? This is not me. I'm just a messenger. This is what Jesus is saying. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Do you want a way to wipe away all of our worries and anxiety because what we ask for will be given? That's the key. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, here are some very important caveats to that statement. It says if, right? Now, before I get to that, I love how the word abide there, staying close to Jesus, abide means to remain or to stay around. It's kind of like if you have a friend and you're able to be with each other, right? There are these gatherings where we have friends and there are some friends who will stay long. Even after everybody's gone, they're still with you. They are lingering. They're staying there. That's kind of what abiding is. They're just staying around. They're always there. They just want to stay there, right? And this is the same picture to close the loop that we saw with Mary earlier. That's what made it so powerful and so beautiful. She just stayed around. 
She just stayed at the feet of Jesus. So abiding means to be able to remain or stay around Jesus. And for us to be able to experience what I just shared, asking for whatever we wish, the key is we need to abide in Him, to be able to stay around Him. How do we do that, right? And and uh, an important caveat here is also His words abide in us. It's not that not just that we are near Him and spending time with Him, but it is actually changing us. And even what's in our hearts, our desires, our wishes, our dreams are changing because His words are now lingering in us. Our desires are recalibrated, our joys, our worries, all of these things, our whole breadth of feelings and thoughts and desires and attitudes have been re-engineered, if you will, because it is now Jesus' words and his influence now abiding in us. We're not just spending time with him, but he has actually changed us. If those two things happen, it's at this point when our wishes and desires are the wishes and desires of God for us. And it is at this point that we will see him grant them 100%. Because it is now his desire for us that we are actually desiring. And he will give it to us because it's actually his desire at the end of the day. Isn't that a wonderful, wonderful um, counterintuitive thought? The more we let go of what we want and pursue those things, and instead we look to God and what he wants for us, the more we will actually experience all of these things and receive it, even as we ask for it. Beautiful. So what is the application for us? Read your Bible get to know him more, be part of a small group, right? You can ask what that means. D groups, find out from the uh, the big singles ministry here and see how they can help you, right? Um, you know, when I um, went through another anxious period in my life where I broke up with my girlfriend who I really thought I would marry, um, I was lost. I was a wreck. You know, I was um, starting out my career dealing with various CEOs in a suit. And as I was dealing with them and trying to close deals in the corporate leasing space, I would go off to the toilet and cry like a baby. I'm not yakking for the record. But in the few moments I've shared, I've been vulnerable and honest with you that, you know, I've dealt with a lot of these things. So that was a, a difficult moment. But you know what helped me through was this, you know, um, staying close to Jesus. I, I, uh, tried to dig deeper into my into my Bible and learn more and I found other guys you know that would walk alongside me and I got discipled and as I did that they encouraged me and took me through that dark time and long story short God allowed it that I ended up with that girlfriend again which is a separate story all of my own and she is now my wife Joy the woman of my dreams and we're happily married that might not be the case for some of you and that is not the point right the whole point for all of us is Staying close to Jesus is making sure we dig deep into his words and surround ourselves with other people so that even as we might go through anxious bouts, like I shared in my own breakup, right? You're able to stay the journey and go the distance and continue to experience the fullness of life that he has in store for you. So let's recap as we close our time together here. What do we learn, guys? We learned to a few things, right? We learned... Let me see if we recall all the the principles, all five tips that we gave. We talked about practicing rhythms of rest, right? Practicing rhythms of rest. We talked about admitting you're a Martha, right? We talked about unpacking the roots or unpack the roots. We We talked about staying close to Jesus. And finally, we talked about E embracing Jesus. I don't know if you saw what I just did there. P-A-U-S-E. That is the main message that we actually had today. My prayer is that as we look at life detox, as we look at overcoming toxic realities and this particular toxic reality of anxiety, if there's one word you'll remember from our whole time, it is to be able to pause. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father God, we I want to take a pause right now and thank you for being our God and for those who just prayed today to make you our God. We rejoice with them as they can now experience all these things that you have promised even through the conversation and the message you had for everybody in this particular message. We pray that we will indeed not just be hearers of your word but doers and as we do these these specific instructions of yours across the P-A-U-S-E, we would indeed be able to pause and experience rest, experience your peace, Um, refrain from worry, uh, strengthen our faith ultimately, 
as the root source so that we might overcome this anxiety, any anxiety that we might face moving into the future. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for this time. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. So God bless everybody. Enjoy the rest of your time. And what did we learn again? Pause. P-A-U-S-E. Bye-bye. Singles. With a lot of things going on in our lives, sometimes we lose track of what is important. That we are fixated at building our own kingdom instead of God's. And this has caused us to be anxious. As Christians, let us always fix our eyes on Jesus as He is the answer to all our anxieties. So let's trust Him, because in Him, we will find rest. To help process the message, here are the breakout questions. First, how has anxiety affected you and your loved ones during this pandemic? How have you been responding to anxiety lately? And second, based on the five principles mentioned, what are the practical steps you can do to respond better to anxiety? Enjoy your breakout singles. See you again next week. Take care and God bless.